0: Welcome to the Youth Development Professionals
1: Guidebook. I'm your host, Michael Garcia. And I'm your co-host, Al Ferreira. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to another amazing episode. We are excited to have Julia here. Julia, welcome to the guidebook.
2: Hi, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me, inviting me.
0: We're very excited to have you on and, and we can't wait to get to know you. Why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? Give yourself an introduction.
2: Okay, uh, thanks. My um, name is Julia Gabor and I am born and raised in New York City some 50-something years ago. Um, and I come from a family of artists. Um, I was born below 14th Street for anybody who... familiar with the culture of New York. And um, my mother was an acting teacher and a director on an international landscape. And my father was a freelance writer. And um, when I was very young, they got divorced when I was around three years old. And that really had uh, shifted the trajectory of my life. And all of a sudden, I was that kid who was getting themselves to and from school at the age of six or seven or eight years old in the 70s by herself. Um, My mother was working all the time. My father actually had a a substance abuse issue that uh, became very notable, noticeable. And by the time I was 11 years old, I had another series of events that happened and I'm telling you this story, while I tell you this story, it's not so that you feel sorry for me. It's because it's really important that you hear some of the things that shape what we're doing today, almost four decades you know, later. So um, what happened was my mother started working in prisons. Um, she got a grant from the government, an artist in residency to do arts and education in prisons for the state of New York. And there she um, did a theater piece with a bunch of African-American men who were telling their story about being raised in America around racism and inequity. And that was 40 years ago. It's so timely that this conversation is happening right now, again. Um, And she um, fell in love with one of the gentlemen that was in prison in the show. And when he came out, they decided that he would live with us and he was from harlem and he was a beautiful handsome african-american man with a pick in his hair a silk gold shirt a uh, shirt with gold chains and um and he really became an influence in my life as i was growing up in the city at the same time my father was uh parading around he loved women and booze in the 70s so surprise and <laughs> and he um And he found, um, a woman friend of his who had been in a marriage where she was, it was arranged, it was set up. And that was because both she and her husband had a bajillion dollars between them and, um, they had so much money. It was like blue blood It was an arranged marriage in the early sixties, but they were never really in love. So they decided in the seventies again, to have an open marriage, right? So, uh, sign of the times. And so my father became involved with the husband and the wife, drinking buddies. They were um, stationed kind of in New England. And my mother, in the meantime, is living with, and me also, with this gentleman from prison. So at the time, by the time I'm 11 years old, let me ask you guys a question. I'm going to put it back to you. What do you think a girl like me is feeling? Or what's happening to an 11, like a tween, an 11 or 12-year-old girl?
1: I'm guessing that you're feeling um, completely neglected, and you're kind of a that latchkey kid who's discovering the world on her own.
0: Yeah, I would I would go with that. I think you're feeling a lot of what the kids we work with are feeling when they're in those same situations. Right? They're um, going home to empty houses, not very stable, unsure what's going to happen tomorrow, and and just kind of seeking you know, maybe lashing out a little bit, seeking acceptance into whatever.
2: Yes, both both are accurate. Um, I definitely was home alone a lot and left to my own devices. And definitely uh, we see in this world of youth development and social emotional learning that even though, again, I'm trying to share this comparison, 40 years later, our kids are still going through the same things, having the same feelings, and often left to their own you know, devices, whether they are at home alone and their parents are super wealthy, or if they're being raised by a nanny, or if they're from under-resourced areas and their parents are both working and they're taking care of their brothers and sisters, there's a lot of um, independence going on. And with that independence, we think that some kids really implode and some kids exploded and, or, or explode. And I, I definitely was the latter. I had an explosive personality. And in my teenage years, I took to experimenting with drugs and alcohol. And um, I had a social agenda. I had a lot of boyfriends. They say it was called high-risk behavior. Right. So that's the, that's the term for it. I am guilty. I had high risk behavior and I was having fun. Um, and I was clever and I was sneaky and I was precocious. And so there weren't a lot of signs to my parents who were very busy living their kinds of lives and working and no intention, like they weren't intending to neglect me or hurt me, but I was just left alone and I was kind of, um, uh, responsible. So they couldn't tell that there was a lot of other activity going on in my life. Um, What I also did really well is that I kept a B minus average in school. So I felt like I tricked the system. And if you can keep a good enough average in school, there's not a lot of information that says something's really wrong. And that also got me into a college, a state university, and i went i left new york city at 18 years old and went into this really rural community small school from being in a very diverse independent lifestyle and i had a curfew it was an all-girls dorm and you have to remember i was already living a life on my own feeding myself smoking new forts i had big high hair gold chains in 1986. i was walking through those dorms looking inside the girls rooms and I was like, oh my God, look at these. They have posters on their walls. There's care packages from parents. Like my parents didn't know anything about any of that. Um, they had flannel night nightgowns on, right? And this was like crazy to me. Nightgowns were something that other people did. And um, they had curlers in their hair and they had teddy bears, stuffed animals. And this was not a life that I had had at all. Um, I really smoking my cigarettes, walking down the hallway, looking at the girls, maybe with a very heavy New York accent, kind of going, damn, what's up with these girls in here? Why do they look like that? Oh my God, I never saw anything like that before. Like it was really a culture shock. But um, I stayed and it changed the trajectory of my life. And when I came back and I got out of college, I did it in four years, I majored in theater, I followed after my mother's footsteps. Um, I started working as an actor and I had a small theater company. I also started volunteering in after school programs in urban New York because I felt like kids needed to hear a message and the message was that they have choices. And I think that if I had had more uh, input, maybe adult supervision or caring adults, I would have understood that I had a choice in what I was doing and that I didn't have to do it alone or I wasn't alone. And so I started working with kids, youth and doing um, kind of acting games around leadership and social emotional learning, but I didn't even know that's what it was. I was just doing acting as self-expression, theater games, fun, and a little bit of sports too. I was a good athlete. Um, and so. And so then, 10 years later, I moved to California because I was going to become a famous movie star. And I was going to make millions of dollars in the movies. And I was going to hire all my friends who were youth workers and social workers. And I was going to create my own nonprofit, a brick mortar building that had three floors, I was going to go to New York City and go to a jacked up neighborhood. And I was going to build a structure that was safe for kids to go to. Um, And Then I was in L.A. for two years and I had the typical actor story and it was awful, right? This was like the worst story and it's everybody's story. So I was not unique anymore, you know, where agents would look at my resume and say, oh, this is so good. You have so much theater, Shakespeare in Scotland, Edinburgh Theater Festival. You've done so many off-Broadway plays, but you don't have any film or TV. Who are you like? Who are you like, Julia? And I was an artist so that's the worst question you could ever ask an artist right who are you like who do you want me to be like that's what i do tell me who you want me to be like and i will do that so that was my experience i moved four times in two years i had five odd jobs i was living on on credit cards um i had no health insurance and i was 32 years old and it was a very painful time again like another pain another obstacle that i had to overcome I had a, a kind of breakdown, to be really honest, like a a, um, a nervous breakdown. I was sitting with a friend, dry heat crying, and just said, all I want to do is work with kids and I didn't make a million dollars, Like, and he said, Julia, why do you need a million dollars to work with kids? And that was the conversation that made me go in the opposite direction. And I started volunteering in South Central Los Angeles in a middle school um, that was in gang territory. It was an open campus. The school was flagged. to. Uh, they had high principal turnover. So they had three principals in two years. And it was tough, and they hired our after school staff to run security during lunchtime, during recess, to help with the gang activity because they were recruiting our little 10, 11, 12, and 13 year olds to come into gangs on campus during lunch. It was intense, and it was the best period of time I ever spent, probably in education, um, except maybe now. But um, that was in 2003, just for reference um somebody gave me a professional development training where they said the word youth development and i freaked out i thought oh my god that's what i'm doing i'm doing youth development it's research based all the stuff i do with kids empowerment self-expression feeling safe like i was like that's what i do and um and i started doing a character education curriculum uh, that was a free program from Target and the Tiger Woods Foundation based on Tiger's life called Start Something. I
1: remember, yeah, I remember that.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and at that time, the Tiger Woods Foundation, who was opening up their own brick mortar building, it was 20 miles away in Anaheim, California. They sent their program directors to our site to look at great programming. I met them. And basically, the long and the short is, They wound up hiring me to be the national manager to facilitate trainings for teachers and after-school folks to do the Start Something program on a national scale. And so I left um, the after-school All-Stars and I went to the Tiger Woods Foundation and I was there for almost eight years. Um, At that time, uh, during that time, I got my master's in educational leadership. I was running character education curriculum. Um, and, then, um, and then I got slid into a college and career readiness program for first-generation under-resourced kids who were high academic achievers, um, but uh, needed other resources. And it was a scholarship program where I really created some really beautiful interventions to help first-gen kids go through college and be successful at getting a job when they left. Um, then, real quick, to finish this up. Thanks for listening. Um, I, I left and I went to a for-profit startup company, which was a literacy and project-based learning company where kids become published authors of their own children's books. And then I got the startup bug and I um, reconnected with an old buddy of mine from New York who had a very similar upbringing as me from the streets. And we got together. He's a certified holistic wellness coach and we took his work jeffrey jordan is my partner in certified holistic health for adults and my work in youth development and social emotional learning and we took the best of both of us and we created a curriculum and we called it kid grit um based on what we thought kids needed the most right now to be successful and it has to do with grit and resilience um we're dealing you know well that's a whole i'm like we can stop there for now but um, anyway, so now we have this company, we're two years old and we're offering curriculum, professional development. Um, in the current current events right now, we're doing um, wellness courses for educators and people who work with kids so that they can be prepared for either summer or going back to school. How can they take care of themselves and be prepared for what is about to happen in this uncertain, your regular time. Um, And so we have a lot of offerings and trainings and curriculum, and we're doing a couple free things also. So um, we're busy, and we've been really busy during COVID-19 because of the nature of the content that we deliver. It's not just for kids, it's for adults also who take care of kids.
1: Oh my goodness, Julia. You have... So much to unpack right there for us that is absolutely an amazing journey so far um, i i am uh, i 've got probably seventeen different questions written down uh, already to so so let let 's unpack right now so you 've done. Uh, you know, the KidGrit uh, curriculum, and uh, you've uh, updated some of it right now, as I understand, as I've done my, my a little bit of background uh, checking here and, and, and research on, on you. Tell us a little bit about what you've done within the COVID time period with your partner, Jeffrey, uh, to help kids develop that resiliency.
2: Um, when COVID broke out, I was traveling. We do a lot of conferences, speaking engagements and keynoting. And we were in between conferences from Atlanta. We were going to DC next. So I went home to New York in the beginning of March and I was with my father and I was watching the news and no one really knew yet what COVID was. We knew it was this virus that came. We didn't know what was going to happen to New York. We didn't know that schools would close. So I called Jeffrey and, and he resides in New Jersey. And I said, listen, I said, we're gonna have to do something about this COVID thing for kids because it's scary. And I think we should make a, like a resource for educators to use in the classroom with kids and, or in the after-school program or in a summer camp situation that they can have these hands-on activities to explore the questions that they're hearing on the news over and over again about this COVID-19. So I started writing a guide based on our foundational um, practices and the way that Grip works is, we work with social emotional learning and holistic um, health, like in mindfulness. And we have five approaches. The first one is mind and mindfulness and growth mindset the second one is body we call it body but it's not just about movement it's also about breathing for stress uh relief and food examination food exploration food inequity really understanding where food comes from and how it gives you energy um and also how some communities don't have it so there's a little social justice in it the third approach is called community and connection where we work with kids on Um, empathy and tolerance, cultural diversity. The fourth one, which is a little bit unique for this kind of programming is digital and social media consciousness, really helping young people understand the consequences for bad behavior online and also spending too much time online. So our goal is to find balance, not to pull them off of it, but just to find balance. And then the last approach which is also a differentiator is we have these action projects where they have to put what they learn about themselves self-awareness into a project that has like an end result so think of like a stem or a project-based learning there's an outcome at the end where they can talk about who they are whether it's through spoken word or a diorama or an imovie Um, whatever they come up with, it can be a service learning project to really show that they have some reflection, some empathy and self-awareness. That's our foundational approach. We have a full curriculum on that. What we did for COVID-19 is we took one activity for each of those five areas and we created um, an exploration of things like social distancing. um, Also, what is a germ and um or breathing to calm yourself down and we did this all in the way of social emotional learning and having kids be able to um really understand what is going on with the crisis in the activities in person are role plays we have a debate they do breathing they do uh, group work together um and now of course we're training people how to do it online.
1: And uh, you guys have developed this wonderful guidebook that uh, And and at the end of the podcast, uh, uh, we'll give you some, uh, our listeners, where to go and find that because you can sign up for it and get it for free. Uh, But right now we're going to uh, make sure that uh, we are going to take a little bit of a break and then come back with a little bit more with Julia. So thank you.
0: Thanks so much to our sponsors, Expert Online Training. Al, you've used Expert Online Training. Tell us about it.
1: I have. I've been a past user and and a big fan of expert online training. I've used them for our first year staff. I've used them uh, for returning leaders. I've used them for our senior leadership uh, or what uh, some people call the the directing team. And I call the support staff. Uh, The different topics and presenters that they have really are worthwhile in tailoring training to your specific camp teams in so many different ways
0: it's a great program. My camp is using expert online training this summer. So if you're interested in expert online training, go to expertonlinetraining.com and check them out.
1: So we're back here with Julia Gabor, who is with Kid Grit uh, out in Redondo Beach, California. She talked a little bit about being from New York earlier. Uh, Well, I grew up in Southern California and haunted uh, around Redondo Beach as well. Uh, So uh, uh, Julia, your 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 guidebook and your website are fantastic and full of information, and, and you use this great Carl Sagan quote, uh, for small creatures such as we, vastness is bearable only through love. So I want to talk about some of our small creatures be, uh, being the kids, uh, and uh, you talk about ch- children's intellect and emotion and intuition. So we have been hit, you know, I've been using this analogy of, uh, of uh, of, uh, uh, of well, you know, Southern California, we're down the beach. Uh, I, I used to surf down there. And uh, you know, when you're surfing, you get, you know, if you, if you get knocked over, uh, you get hit by wave after wave after wave. That's kind of what this feels like. We got hit with the wave of COVID, then the financial crisis. And now, uh, you know, the, the protests going on throughout the country. And it 's just wave upon wave upon wave uh, what what are those waves doing uh, the, that these crises are doing to, to uh, as an impact on children 's intellect and emotion and intuition? What do you see as a result and, and what can we expect further down the road?
2: Mm-hmm. I think uh, that's a great question. I think that it depends on the age of the child as to how they are interpreting the events. Because a five-year-old interprets images much differently than a 15-year-old when they see the news. I think that all of it is frightening. I think it's very unsteadying. And I think, again, also, depending on what kind of home they're coming from, how um, the parents are interpreting the series of events is also how they're taking care of their children because kids are not with educators right now. And some of them are, and some of them are, are not. That's one of the inequities that we've seen happen during this time. That, you know, while some of us can get on a Zoom call, some kids still do not have access and they don't have technology. Um, they're getting information without any adult conversation. So for those kids, it's going to be confusing. It's going to be scary and frightening. And for the kids who are able to have conversations with role models and mentors who are getting online, whose parents are talking to them, they'll be a little bit more even when they show up again. They can be prepared for unpredictable circumstances because even when we go back to school, we don't know what it's going to be like. There's a phrase going around right now. It's either brick or click, right? Either you're going to be in a brick mortar building for maybe just two or three hours a day and the rest of your time will be a click and you'll be online again for those who have the ability to get online. So we're going to muck our way through this as educators in the system and do the best we can to support our kids Um, we work with some agencies that know that their kids don't have access to internet. And that means for another three months, the only way that they can get them work is through worksheets and dropping them off Um, worksheets, food. These are migrant families, families that are far away. They don't have towers. Like these are real situations that we're dealing with different organizations around the country. So what we did is we, we didn't have worksheets. The truth is we built a hands-on curriculum so that no kid would ever have to Work on a worksheet again, because if you think about worksheets, you're like, oh my God, another worksheet. Imagine being a kid with worksheet after worksheet. But for those kids that cannot participate in any Zoom or Google calls and that we're not seeing them in the brick mortar buildings, we created a bunch of social emotional learning uh, and, you know, kind of emotional IQ worksheets based on our content so that they can get dropped off with food. Um, So it's going to be, I guess, the the basic answer to your question, Al, is going to be, it's going to be uneven, and we don't know what to expect, and administrators don't know what to do yet either, and like I might have mentioned earlier, one of the things that we do know we can do is that we can prepare teachers to be prepared for the unexpected um, emotional state of our children. And that's another focus that we're doing. Youth workers are coming to us for self-care and wellness activities that they can do for themselves. And then also how to kind of get a pulse check on their kids, their uh, transferable activities that they can do uh, with their kids.
0: Julia, that is so much information you've given us over the whole first part of this podcast. I'm going to switch a little bit. How are you seeing the next 30, 60, 90 days unravel for kid grit or your groups that you work with in the schools and agencies? How do you see that rolling out? You talked a little bit about brick or click, but where where do you see you fitting in to meet those needs of the families that are out there?
2: You know, when, when I refer back to that story where I was writing the guide for the, you know, this free guide, um, that really uh it it really helped it the ability for this company to pivot spin on a dime reimagine itself um because as we started looking at things closing i thought oh boy either we're not going to have work for the next three months or um or we have to do something that's kind of raising the bar and we were really lucky that one of the conferences that closed, that stopped being an in-person conference requested out of the hundreds of presenters only six people to do a virtual training in that same week, and that was the National After School Association. And we were one of the people that they selected because we had already been doing virtual trainings for uh, organizations that were really far away. And so we knew how to use the tool, and our trainings are super engaging. Um, and a side you know, story is that I did another um, a school climate session this week, and a school counselor got on to learn about what we were doing. And our sessions are so interactive that she left the call and wrote me an email afterwards and said, I'm so sorry I left. I wasn't expecting to engage, and I don't know how to use the tool, the Zoom tool. And And, and it wasn't what I was expecting. I'd like to meet you in person someday, which was very nice. And I said to her, I wrote back, I said, what were you expecting? And she said, I was expecting for you to talk and me to take notes. And I said, LOL. I said, that will never happen in any of our trainings. You will be asked to use your voice to participate. The way that we work with educators is the same way we work with you. So we have reimagined our trainings that are usually six to eight hours in person that are highly engaging. It's a lot of dynamic uh, group work. um, And we reimagine them on a Zoom platform and reuse all the tools. So that's put us in a very good position very early on where you had a free resource with this guide for COVID and then also being at the NAA conference coming out with a very strong training. And then we have built a series of workshops to support educators with everything connected to social emotional learning or emotional IQ for um, leaders, administrators. How do you work with a staff with this kind of technique? Um, Self-care, as I mentioned before, that's a big one that's going on now and i'll i'll share why we have been doing wellness for educators in a package of four four weeks once a week we do uh we have topics that have to do with self-care and we ask everybody at the end of each call to work with each other on one aspect of something that they'd like to improve on in their mind body or spirit um like well-being of where they are right now and they have to set up support groups through either WhatsApp or text messages and that they are staying in touch with each other while they're in stay at home while they're being isolated in quarantine so that they feel like one they have something to do two it's a positive thing to do on wellness and three that they're being supported by their leadership their leadership has provided something for them versus oh this is a thing you'll do with the kids So we have, um, and so we're not going to travel for a couple months, we're going to keep our staff safe. And we're going to do a lot of these zoom trainings and we're going to prepare educators to go back into another uncertain world, which is in September, this kind of either brick or click or something of both.
1: In the same line of, of Michael's question about the next 30, 60, 90 days, I, I, I want you to imagine yourself six months from now, the, uh, Julia six months from now, and, and you, you are looking back over the last six months, and uh, what would Julia six months from now tell Julia today about the work that you've done or or where you are or something that you would need to um, uh, to, you know, to, to, to accomplish Uh, So uh, can you imagine that? Or what would you share with yourself?
2: No, that's a deep question. Um, Because this is, this is uh, mine and Jeffrey's, you know, this comes from the heart, this work, and I, I never really saw myself as being a founder of a company. And so every time something great happens, sometimes it probably has to do with my childhood, like, this kind of inter, like this personal thing, like, am I good enough? Is like that the world is seeing this work or that I'm doing something positive. So the truth is that if I look back in six months, I would congratulate our company. It's not just me, you know, it's our company and the staff for pushing during a time of crisis to help others and serve others. Um, Can I be really transparent?
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
2: Um, I lost my father to COVID during this time from New York. And he edited the COVID guide that week I was in New York. And it's like, it's almost this kind of surreal experience where this work around COVID, this experience that happened has been catapulted by deep loss for something that I still want to serve other people. Our company wants to help other people who are going through real, you know, tragedy and pain, even through the protests and the violence that's going on, that we're, we are, um, my whole team, because we have a lot of love, we're fueled right now. Like we're, we are, we are fueled with fury of creativity and imagination and helping others in service. So um, it's been a very interesting, reflective, introspective time personally, Which has made the work really, really um, strong, valuable, and important for us. Um, So when I look back, I think I'll feel pretty good at what we've done. You know, in at least these first three months.
0: Yeah, that's sorry for the loss of your of your father. Um, Thank you. To be open, my father passed away recently as well. So um, I I feel you, and and God bless you. Um, This has been such a ton of information, uh, what we're going to do now, Julia, is we're going to, I'm going to ask you to tell people how to get a hold of you. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely put your kid grit website in the, in the notes of the podcast, but tell us what, how you want people to reach out to you.
2: Um, I mean, the most direct way is Julia at kid dash grit.com julia at kid dash or hyphen grit.com our website to download that free guide www.kid-grit.com and a little pop-up comes up you fill it out and then you get the guide as a pdf um you can follow us we are everywhere um, on twitter instagram facebook and that's kid actually underscore grit kid underscore grit you'll find us there um, and just reach out, say hello, share a story, get connected. We, we customize every package we ever do with anybody because every school and nonprofit and camp and after school program are so different. And we're doing social emotional learning, which is not math. It is not arithmetic. It's not science, right? This is something you have to craft for the organization that works with you in partnership. So that would be a great way to partner and uh, uh, to contact us.
1: Awesome. That, that is just absolutely amazing. Um, uh, I like one of your quotes that leaders with uh, social emotional learning skills are a force for global good. And it sounds like you are doing a world of good in, in the communities that you're serving.
0: Thank you so
1: much. Thank you. So again, thanks,
0: Julia, for joining us. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break and Al and I will be right back. If you're interested in having your voice heard on this podcast, go to youthdevelopmentpro.com and send us an email. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for staying with us. We just had an amazing conversation with Julia Gaber. Uh, Al, tell us what you learned today.
1: Oh my gosh. You know, I, 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 as she was talking, I was thinking about Peter Drucker, who, you know, is the the, the, the godfather of, of nonprofit organizations. And uh, he's got this great quote, plans are only good intentions unless they immediately degenerate into hard work. And uh, boy, that Julia has done the hard work in her life, hasn't she? She was just amazing talking about all the, you know, the the kid grit. I mean, it's, it's about resiliency and resiliency and resiliency. Uh, You know, she is just all about creating power through knowledge for young people. And if I can take anything away, it's uh, that hard work that she's put into creating this wonderful program that teaches resiliency.
0: Yeah. I'd I'd agree 150% on that one. I think, the the big takeaway for me and I'm I'm so I admire people who are able to put themselves out there that that story right at the top of the podcast was just amazing about her and then to share what's happened with her father and it really is important that we make sure we're human as we go through everything and telling our story is just as important as making sure people have the opportunity to hear their, to tell their story. So um, thanks so much for joining us, everyone. If you like the podcast, you like what you're hearing, share it, give us a five-star rating, tell your friends, scream it from the rooftop, leave a comment, whatever you want to do to help us out to get this, the word out there of all this amazing youth development professionals in, in our communities. Thanks so much. We will see you in two weeks. Have a great day. Stay healthy, stay well. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.